0: So I know most of you have plans for later today, or you know, maybe for New Year's Eve, but most of us just make plans, and we come up with, you know, the ideas of what we're going to be doing, whether it's a short-term plan, what's for lunch, or a long-term plan, what's for dinner? Um, you know or. or You know, for next year, you know, what am I gonna be doing next year? What, uh, you know, where am I going to be going? And what is God going to be doing? And even as Christians, we kind of question, what direction is God leading us? We should question, what direction is God leading us? Uh, You know, some people are, you know, encouraged by the Holy Spirit to go do something, to go somewhere to minister somewhere different, Uh, maybe to move from one place to another. You know, that's the direction of the Holy Spirit. He does that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us, stay put. Just, you know, dwell where you live and minister where you live to those around you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking in each one of your lives but I know what he speaks in my life. I know not because I get up and I have a text from the Holy Spirit telling me what I'm going to be doing. I have the text that gives me direction and the Holy Spirit is able to speak to us through his word. In what way? Well, sometimes you get up one morning and you read a scripture and it gives you encouragement for that day and what to do and sometimes you read the scripture the next day and it leads you in a different direction. Do they contradict each other? No. But it's where the Lord wants to lead you and sometimes it's a day by day thing, sometimes it's a lifetime thing. And we just have to be sensitive to what he's doing. So Maybe you have plans, maybe you have new year's resolutions and you wrote down some new year's resolutions. If you were smart, you wouldn't write them down so there would be no evidence. And and you don't you don't want to have something that you're tied into, oh, I made this commitment and you know now it doesn't seem to be working out. When it comes to the leading of the Lord, we can write it down. Because he's not going to send us in a direction and then change his mind halfway through. He wants us to follow through on the things that he leads us into. And so we just have to be sensitive to what he wants us to do and where he's going to lead us. James chapter 4 tells us not to make plans for the future without knowing the will of God, without checking the will of God. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, whereas you know not what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Those of you that come from colder climates know what this is talking about where you breathe and and the vapor comes out of your mouth and then it's gone. It just evaporates. And where did it go? That's what our lives are like. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And it's not a secret pattern of words. Uh, We have to use the secret pattern of words to understand um, what the Lord is saying. If the Lord wills, we're going to do this. Or if it's not about the words themselves, it's the heart that we live by. It's the heart that we consider, you know what, I'm making plans, but maybe God has different plans. So let me wait it out to allow the Holy Spirit to confirm what plans are the right plans that I'm supposed to be working on, that I'm supposed to be doing. Sometimes we hear the plans right away, and and we know, oh, this is the direction the Lord is leading us. Uh, We've heard Wow. Sorry. My ear must have moved. So you know, we, um, we, we've heard Isaiah, um, you know, forty thirty one. It's not up there, hon. Um, and, uh, you know, for they that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. That gives us confidence that if we're waiting, if we're listening to the Lord, if we have direction from him, we're going to complete where he is sending us. We're going to be able to accomplish the things that he's put. We just have to wait on him uh, to give us those directions. And he will, do, he will give us the strength to accomplish everything he says. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't have the ability to do that. No, you don't. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. Amen? So when we read what James wrote, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have any plans at all he's not saying don't make plans he's saying don't make plans outside the will of God consider the will of God and all the plans that we make you know David when he was going to attack the Philistines he prayed you know Lord do you want me to go do this and you know Lord said yeah go do it and he was victorious and then the next time the Philistines were coming again, he said, do you want me to do, yes, go do this. So he was continuously looking. He didn't say, well, God told me to do it last time. Maybe he wants me to, you know, he'll, he'll want me to do that same thing every time. Not necessarily. He may have a different uh, plan to achieve victory against the enemy. We just have to be sensitive to that. So, we should make plans, but we should also check with God about everything, all of our plans. Title of our message today is What to Expect Next. We have many warning signs in our lives. We have alarms that tell us that something's wrong. We have um, different sirens that will let us know there's emergency vehicles coming and it alerts us to get out of the way, move over, let these vehicles through because there's a problem, there's an emergency and guess what? Your plans have just changed. See, you didn't plan for an emergency vehicle to come and to pull you over because you were speeding, or, or just to get out of the way because there's someone in need of help. And get, you didn't plan for that, but your plans just changed. As you're on the freeway, and you get one of those signs there in front of you says, accident ahead. You know, three miles, there's an accident. You, you didn't plan for that. But now you're alerted. You can just stay and keep going 65 miles an hour while everyone else is coming to a stop. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to be the next accident that they're talking about. But if we prepare and we say, okay, there's an accident. I have to do something. I have to alter my plan. uh, Then that's a smart thing to do. Get off the road and find an alternate route. You know, go, get into your GPS and, and figure out what the better route is to uh, you know, get where you're going. Some people don't listen to the signals. They don't listen to the sirens, they ignore them. Oh, it's gonna be fine, I don't have to worry about it. Oh, it's on the other side of the divided road and I don't have to pull over, I don't have to get out of the way. And some people live like that. And that's the same way they live their lives right now. As the world is going crazy, as things start getting really weird, uh, you know, I never thought we would be where we are today, what's going on in our world today. Never expected this to happen. But we can trust that God was aware. This didn't take him by surprise. He wasn't like, COVID, where did this come from? You know, he knew. He knew everything that was going to happen. He knows everything that'll happen tomorrow. And he's giving us signals. He's sending up sirens. He's letting us know, get ready, you know, be prepared because it may get weirder. So, you know, be prepared for whatever is going to happen next. Your plans have just changed. The Bible also gives us warnings about what we can expect in the future. When we read the Word of God, sometimes we read it historically, and we look back at the events that took place in the past and say, Oh, you know, I, I Remember reading about this, I did what David did, and so on and so forth. But then you get to scripture that talks like Nehemiah uh, about the building of the wall, and then you look at scripture that said, oh, when the decree is written for Nehemiah to rebuild that wall, uh, then you know how long it's gonna be before the Messiah comes. There are details given by Daniel about those things, and so we have a plan that has been mostly executed. In Daniel it says that these things are going to happen up until the 69th week is complete, and then the 70th week of years, seven year period, is just waiting until the very end. And so we're waiting for that 70th week to start. That's part of the prophecies that we have that we can be sure of. You may have heard of many of the scriptures I'm going to be going through today. I hope you have. But that doesn't mean that once you've heard it, you can put it away. We're supposed to be in the word all the time like Bereans, checking it to see how it applies to us today. As the world changes, um, the scripture doesn't change, but our understanding of it does. In 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 3 we read first of all knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts scoffers people are saying oh you know what Jesus isn't coming you've been talking about that for years You know, and and when are these things supposed to happen? And why do you believe all of this foolishness? And they're out there, aren't they? They're on TV, they're on the radio, they're writing editorials into the newspapers, and they like to mock the Word of God. That's dangerous. You know, mocking the Word of God um, will end up making your heart hard and not sensitive to when things actually start to happen. You're not sensitive to the things that God is actually doing. That can happen even to Christians that go to church regularly, that have their church traditions, but they miss out on the the fineness, the details in the scriptures, they miss out on them because they're told they don't apply. They were meant for 70 AD, that's when all of that was fulfilled, you know, and, and we don't need to even look at that anymore. Or the fact that you are just normal people and you don't have the understanding of what the scriptures actually say, Well, why would God give us the scriptures if he only meant it for a few people to understand? He wants all of us to understand it. And when we don't understand it, then we can go to him and ask, Lord, give me understanding. You know, more of the Holy Spirit. And will he ever deprive us of more of the Holy Spirit? No, if we ask, he's going to give us more. And the Holy Spirit then will give us understanding of what we're reading And so when we see, here's Peter. He's writing, remember, first century Peter, writing about these things, knowing this, that scoffers will come, when? In the last days. He's not writing about his days. He's writing about the last days. Does he know when the last days are? I don't think so. You know, I, I think that he just knew he wasn't living in the last days. It, it didn't fit what he understood God was telling because he knew that he was gonna die. Jesus already told him that, right? Remember when they were walking along and you know, and Jesus says to him, Hey, by the way, you know, you're going to be, you know, going somewhere where you don't want to go. And you know, they're going to take you and you know kill you. And Peter, you know, just understood that so clearly and quickly and he addressed that issue right away. And he said, What about him? Right? He wanted to know about John. Isn't that funny? How what what do we care about? I I care about me. I want to know, Lord, what are you doing in my life? When are you going to work in my life and when am i going to be leaving here and how much pain will i be in when i leave right you know i i don't mind leaving but please don't make it painful right but you know what the lord takes us when it's our time i pray that it's today and he just takes us in the rapture you know but when it's the right time it's going to happen and none of us will be disappointed when it does so peter is declaring the warning scoffers are coming to this generation the last days later on in chapter 3 he gives us more detail as to what will happen when the lord returns in verse 10 he says but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night well we already heard that from Jesus, we already know that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works in it will be burned up. That's not tomorrow. That's not, there's a lot that's gonna happen between the day that the earth is melted And, uh, you know, the time that Jesus returns, there's a lot that has to happen in between that. We have the tribulation period, seven years. We have a millennium, a thousand years. There's a lot that's going to happen before everything is put back in order. But, you know, Peter is talking about a climate change that our scientists aren't aware of. You know, here he's talking about the whole earth melting, you know. And, And you know what? Going to electric cars isn't gonna help. There's nothing we can do to solve this problem. And by the way, as Christians, we don't have a problem. We're not gonna be impacted by this. You know, we're not gonna have to wear hazmat suits on the day that Jesus you know, changes everything back to the way it's supposed to be we're going to be just fine through this in verse 11 it continues therefore since all these things will be dissolved what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat so here Peter's asking a rhetorical question. Knowing these things, understanding what the future holds, what manner of people ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? How should we be living? How should we be acting? Well, see, that's how the world is going to know that there's something different about us not because we protest, not because we you know, get out there and argue about what this group is doing, what that group is doing. None of that matters. What matters is what we believe is going to happen and how it impacts our lives. If it doesn't impact our lives in such a way where people can see the difference between the world and us, then how are they going to be influenced by the truth? We are influenced by the truth because we hear the word of God and we know it to be true. And so that means we should be different persons that we should be living in holy conduct and godliness. And that's not easy. We can't do it on our own. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we try to do it on our own at times when I'm at Safeway in the line and everyone in front of me, you know, has 50 items and I've got one thing I want to, and, you know, and I want to be godly. I want to just be very friendly towards everyone at that point. But at that, I'm just thinking, come on, I got one thing. Let me just go. Really, I I have cash, and I can, no. And I realize that sometimes God has us there so we can minister to those people, so we can, you know, be a light even, and helping them through their shopping experience by just being friendly, by being loving, by being how Jesus would be. Peter's speaking to us about what manner of person we should be, and we should be living holy lives because we know Jesus is coming. Lots of other people don't, even Christians. There are people that call themselves Christians. Now, I'm not talking about progressive Christians who just use that term, Christian, but have nothing to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ. But there are many Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God uh, who don't understand the Word of God. And we also are supposed to be light and salt to them to help encourage them. We don't have to get into debates with them you know, I've gotten to uh, flame wars on Facebook because you know people want to tell me how wrong I am about the rapture of the church. Oh no, you you don't know anything. You know that's not happening. That's not in the Bible. You know which Bible are you reading? You know because my Bible does have it in there. You know, and I and oh that was something new. That wasn't you know that was something that just came out recently. Paul wasn't recent. Paul wrote it, you know, 2,000 years ago. Jesus mentions it. You know, this was 2,000 years old. And all we have to do is trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And his scripture confirms it over and over again. Last week, we covered Matthew chapter 24. We went over a few verses, and we're going to pick that back up. Matthew 24, verse 6, where it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in many places. And so when we look at these scriptures that Jesus spoke of, he's telling us what we can expect to see in the last days. That's what he's telling his uh, apostles that were there on the Temple Mount. And he's giving them all this information, but they're not going to be the recipients of this information and that they're going to experience these things. They're not. We are. We're the ones who are seeing these very things happen in the world around us. We're hearing of wars and rumors of wars. We hear about all these countries that are battling with each other. They're fighting nation against nation. Well, we, when we hear the word nation, immediately think of countries. It's not what the word means. It's ethnos. And when we're talking about ethnos, we're talking about ethnicity. It's ethnicity against ethnicity. Are we seeing any of that? You know, it's being stoked by the media. The media is causing a a lot of this trial and tribulation that we see going on around us uh, because they're not saved. Maybe some of them are, but if they're reporting the wrong news, they're doing a disservice to all of us. And we can see that these things are happening right now. Pestilences are around us. So, you know, we have the COVID pestilence, you know, that's taking place right now. But there are many other pestilences that are going on around us right now. Uh, this week alone. Cheryl and I, Cheryl was looking at all of these recalls on food uh, that was taking place. Three people have died of listeria from, the, from bagged um, salad over the last week. And it's like, you know, how do these things happen? How do we get to this? Because of sin. The lettuce is sinful. That's why I say eat more meat. And no but what happens then the pepperoni was it pepperoni that yeah pepperoni that was also found with the Listeria and so they're trying to ruin everything you know it, it's it's the enemy he wants to make us miserable and our food supply is being poisoned our air is being poisoned uh, our whole environment is being corrupted. And it's not that we, if we vote in a different party, all of a sudden everything would clear up and I could breathe again. It's not like that. It's the fact it's the enemy. He's involved in every facet of it. And we know who the enemy is. It's pretty clear. So do we trust the enemy to help us get out of these problems, you know, well, maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe he'll have a change of heart, you know. I I don't think so because I know the end of the story, you know. He's going to be experiencing some climate change. So we hear all of these things happening. It's prophecy that tells us these things that We look at Israel, and Israel is really the key to all prophecy. What is going on in Israel tells us how the rest of the world is going. And, you know, sometimes things are going good. Right now, all the enemies of Israel are lining up. At the same time, there are some of those nations that hated Israel that are becoming friends with Israel right now. They're the ones that are not mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 that say that they're going to attack Israel. But then the ones that are going to attack Israel, it's like, where did they come from? 20 years ago, this picture was not clear at all. It's like a puzzle that only had the frame around it, but we didn't know what was inside the frame. And then as the pieces start to be put together, you're like, oh, That's a horse. Oh, you know, and then you could start seeing it as it comes together. But we have the box. We know what it's supposed to look like, and we know how it's going to be put together. And so as it's being put together, the world, they don't have the box. They just have a bunch of pieces. And as it's being put together, they're looking saying, what's that going to be? What's that going to look like? Well, it's going to be ugly. Isaiah 17.1 says, Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. If you see Damascus today, you will think, oh, that's, that's happened. I mean, Damascus is pretty ugly right now, but not as bad as it's going to be. It's not going to be inhabited. That's how bad it's going to get. It won't be able to be inhabited. So uh, does that lean towards nuclear you know, warfare of some sort? And is that what's going to happen? I don't know because we don't have that clear of a picture. All we know is it's not going to be inhabited. At the same time, I believe we're not going to be here to see it. Maybe, maybe not. It's not clear as to when that actually takes place. But what is clear, it's going to take place. We already have that information given to us by Jesus. We just don't know when that is going to happen. God gave Isaiah the, the clarity to understand that. Russia now has this large presence in Syria, right next to Israel. If you go to Israel, stand on the Golan Heights, you can look down and you can see the UN encampment right there down the hill in Syria. You can see it right from up there. You look down, there it is. And Russian troops are camped out right next to it. It's like everyone is, that's the piece that's in place now in that puzzle. There they are. We've been hearing about Russia going in and attacking Ukraine. They're going to have 175,000 troops amassed on the border of Ukraine. And we're not doing anything about it. Not that we should. I'm not saying that. But it seems like our country is less and less influential in the events that are taking place around the world. China is overflying Taiwan on a regular basis there's a lot of events that are taking place right now that show that we as a superpower are super powerless. We're not what we used to be. I I speak through experience in being in the military and understanding what it's like to project power. When we were in the Persian Gulf during the Gulf War, We had an incredible force there. And when we landed on the beach to take Kuwait back, uh, it was an awesome sight to see uh, how we went in and we just dominated because we were prepared. We had everything in order. It doesn't appear that our country is that way. As a matter of fact, there are people within our own government that don't want us to defend Israel. I think that's wrong. And I think that that's gonna be very bad for the United States in the future. How did they even get in the government in the first place? But they're there because of the enemy. He has put all these people in their proper places. Russia is going to be one. So uh, we can turn to Ezekiel chapter 38. I don't have this up on the screen, but uh, we can turn there and look over this real quick. Um, In Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel is saying now the word of the Lord in verse 1, came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, saying, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, and a great company with them with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, and all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops in the house of Togarma from the far north and all of its troops, many people are with you. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Russia. Right here, we're talking about Russia coming down from the far north with all of its friends, his friends like Turkey, like Iran. Russia didn't have a relationship with Iran until the last 20 years. Uh, They were enemies. They didn't get along. And now all of a sudden, they're buddy-buddy in Syria. Turkey is another one. that uh, Turkey's part of NATO. And Russia doesn't like NATO. But we're seeing all of these things happen coming together right before us. And it's prophecy. It's part of what we can expect to see. God is calling them out. Prepare yourself and be ready. He said that that he put hooks in their jaws to draw them in. He's drawing them in. What are the hooks in the jaw? We don't know. But it probably is related to energy, oil. Israel has just had huge finds of oil in the Golan Heights. They have more reserves found in the Golan Heights than in Saudi Arabia. They have more oil there. Off the coast, they have more natural gas. Off the coast, in the Mediterranean, Israel has found all of this gas and they are now signing deals to export that. And they would be much, much, much richer than these other nations that are around them that have been producing oil for many, many years. But Israel will now be a contender Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited in the latter years. You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. When did that happen? 1948. When Israel became a nation again, they were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that the thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. And you will say, I'll go up against a land of unwalled villages." I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and neither having bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty and to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. (coughs) Excuse me. So here is Russia with all of its armies, with all of its friends' armies and they're all coming into Israel. And they're all going to attack Israel together. And God's calling them out. And he says, hey, who is helping at this point? And at this point, it says um, that, excuse me, um, in verse... 13, Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions. This may be a reference to the United States. The merchants of Tarshish is England, is that area, that region. And it says all their young lions. So all the nations that came out of England, which we are one of. And I'm not setting that in stone, but it makes a lot of sense. Have, you know, all the young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away the silver, the gold, and to take livestock and goods and to take great plunder? So here, these nations are just going to ask the question, what are you doing? You know, are are you causing trouble? Yeah, they are. And they don't care. And then... It says, therefore, son of man, in verse 14, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north. That's north where Russia is out of the far north. There's nothing beyond them and you and many people's with you all of them riding on horses now i know that that may not seem but how many horsepower is a tank it hey, has a lot of horses in one tank but russia has the largest horseback army in the world larger than every other horseback army in the world combined so why would they use horses well because israel happens to have the best air force in the world And so when you're trying to bring tanks through the mountains to attack someone, it's a lot harder to bring them through when they can be targeted through Israel's weapons. But bringing horses, they don't have a signature that's easy to target. And horses will be able to come in and set up and establish a front that they can bring their uh, their, uh, tanks and their equipment uh, later on. I'm not a military strategist, but it makes a lot of sense. I actually read this from a military strategist who said this makes a lot of sense how this was going to happen. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days once again. And that I will bring you against my people so the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes, thus says the Lord God. Are you he of whom I have spoken in the former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass that at that same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show. In my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the fields, and all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. This is God intervening in this battle like he has in the past, where he took armies that were coming against Israel and turned them against themselves. And they all killed each other. That's what it says here, that he says every man's sword will be against his brother. They will all be fighting each other. And then he's going to bring judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. Uh, It sounds like maybe a biological warfare. Don't know. I'm not going to be there for it. And I will rain down on him and his troops and on the many peoples who are with them, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. <clears throat> so here is God calling out what's going to take place. It's prophecy. It's what's going to be. The details, I'm not sure of. When will it happen? I am not sure. Could it possibly happen before the rapture of the church? Possibly. It could. There's nothing that specifies. But if the Christians are here, when this takes place, we're going to be going... Here, read this. Read what just happened. Now you know the truth. You know Now we know that God fulfilled his prophecy. But I don't think that we're going to be here. I think this is going to be the perfect time with the Antichrist. Then we'll be able to rise up because the rapture of the church happens. When the rapture of the church happens, Russia is going to know the United States is not going to intervene. No one powerful enough is going to intervene as we go in and attack Israel. That's how come they're going to say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, but no one's going to intervene. And so it's going to happen the way that the scripture says. But I think we're going to be gone at that point. Then we know in Thessalonians that Paul says that when this takes place, not yet uh, when this takes place, that you see these things happening, um, that the restrainer will be taken out of the way, but the evil one cannot be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way, Second Thessalonians 2, 4 or 6. And then when that happens, then the Antichrist comes on the scene and he says, I'm going to solve everything. I'm going to take care of it all. I'm going to make it all right. And then people will trust him. So I know that at that point, we're not going to be here uh, for that uh, great event. But these are all the nations that are coming. They're all coming together, and they are coming together. It's not like we have to figure out who they are. They're already, it's like they're making it clear who they are. I believe this is all going to happen here fairly soon. With our current administration, I don't think that we're going to go and defend Israel at that point. I think that all of this, so that's another reason why it's unsure if this war will happen. Because if Russia goes in and attacks Israel right now, I don't think we're getting involved. You know, so there's enough pressure against the administration not to do anything. And so they may go along with that, but um, I'm not a politician. so. Um, but during this time, the countries that aren't involved, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, they're not mentioned in Ezekiel 38. And those nations are the ones that have now built a relationship with Israel. Uh, just amazingly, because they've never gotten along before, and now all of a sudden there's a relationship being built. Paul warned, in Timoth- uh, Paul warned Timothy in Second Timothy 4.3, saying that the church would not endure sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's what's happening in our world today. There are plenty of fables out there that people are eager to listen to. There are plenty of lies that sound good to people that don't want to follow the truth. You know what? The truth is hard. The, the truth isn't easy. It's hard. Because we have to be willing to say, not my will but yours be done. That's hard because we're human and we like our will to be done. All of us. But there's always something that we consider important because it's important to us. But looking at things from God's perspective, it may not be that important at all. But we are more concerned about hearing what we want to hear. And that's how come so many churches are going in the wrong direction. They're more interested in pleasing the people with, you know, loud music and uh, I mean I like loud music because I'm half deaf so I need loud music you know what I'm saying but I, I like to worship the Lord I don't want to be emotional about my music I want to be emotional about the Lord that's who I want to be excited about not about who's up there singing the song and we can get distracted by music we, we need to get refocused on who the music is about who the worship is about so at the same time the prophecies of daniel chapter 12 are being fulfilled daniel 12 4 says but you daniel shut up the words and seal the book until the end of the uh, the, until the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase so here's an angel telling daniel Shut the book up. The book that he wrote. Shut it up. It's not meant for then. Hundreds of years later, Jesus said, Daniel the prophet. When you see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he confirmed that Daniel was a prophet. And he confirmed what Daniel had taught. Daniel taught about the abomination of desolation. That's when the Antichrist erects a statue of himself mid-trib inside the temple. And so Jesus confirmed that just in one little statement. He confirmed that Daniel's writings were true. He wouldn't have said that Daniel was a prophet if part of what Daniel wrote was not true. Because how do you know a prophet? Everything they say is true. If they're wrong in one area, then they're not a prophet. So Jesus, knowing what Daniel wrote 200 years earlier, now he's saying, you know what, this is the truth. And so now we can know that it's going to happen because we know. Everyone shall be running to and fro And knowledge shall increase. Is knowledge increasing? Yes. Knowledge is increasing. Wisdom isn't. But knowledge is increasing. Right? Because people have a lot more information. The internet is just full of information. So information can bring knowledge. It doesn't bring truth. It brings knowledge. And so... They say that knowledge is doubling every 18 months. Uh, You know, because there's plenty of room, but a lot of that knowledge is just bogus. It's fake news. It's lies that are just out there being propagated so that we, it can, the people can be distracted. Who's doing that? No, not CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, not the news state. The enemy is the one behind the misinformation. He started the misinformation campaign in the Garden of Eden, right? You know, it it was fake news back then, you know? Oh, if you eat it, you're not gonna die. That's not gonna happen, but it did. It did, see, because Adam and Eve weren't meant to die. See, that was the perfect plan from the beginning. They weren't meant to die. They were meant to live. There was the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And that's how come they were cast out of the Garden of Eden and they had to be protected so they didn't go back into the Garden of Eden and eat of the tree of life. And so we were meant to be eternal beings ourselves, but because of sin, we don't. But God has a plan for that. He's working that out. He says that when the book is sealed, it will be sealed until the time of the end. Do we understand the book of Daniel? Absolutely. There's nothing in the book of Daniel we don't understand now. The book of Daniel is the key to the book of Revelation, so we understand what the book of Revelation means because of what was written in Daniel. Prophecy confirms the prophecy of Revelation. Uh, you know i like the fact that we're told that blessed is he who reads the book of revelation but we're not going to be experiencing it i'm blessed because i won't be here right i look and say man i feel bad you know but we're blessed because we know what the future holds the prophecies the angel continued speaking to daniel in verse 9 and He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed off and sealed till the time of the end. Now we know the time of the end. Is that clear to us what the time of the end is? Well, that should give us understanding and clarity for what age we're living in. Because all of these things that I've been talking about are taking place right now. And so I believe we are definitely in the time of the end. You know. And while we want and hope for things to turn around, I believe the Bible's pretty clear on what we can expect in the future. We're not gonna solve climate change. We're not going to solve the, the problems of homelessness. We're not gonna solve the problems of famine. And we're not going to be able to, you know, solve the problems of hot weather in Arizona. I mean, we've had years to figure that one out, you know. But it's not going to happen. Mr. page. Ah, there it is. Paul, writing to Timothy, gives us an indicator of what, We can expect, he's writing as if he's living in our times. In 2 Timothy 3.1, Paul writes, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. I can stop right there, because we know those are the days we're living in, the perilous times have come. People will say, well, we've had perilous times, all the dark ages and all of that, so on and so forth. Shouldn't we have improved since then? Since we have all the technology that we have now, shouldn't we have have become better people? Shouldn't we have solved the problem of famine throughout the world, the problem of homelessness, the problem of slavery, the problems that we have been experiencing for generations because we're better now than we were back then, because we have technology, shouldn't we have been able to solve all these problems? Yes, we should have. But that proves that we are not in control. That we're not the ones that are able to make the decisions that are going to impact the future. But Paul clearly spells it out in verse 2. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's what I see going on in the world today those are the groups that are forming that in our own country, these anarchists that are forming, that this is the epitome of who they are. They want to bring anarchy to our world. Interestingly enough, uh, the the nation of Islam, uh, the, the whole religion believes that the Savior is coming. The, the true Savior will be here as soon as there's enough anarchy on the world. They believe in what's called the 12th Imam. This Imam is going to come when the whole world is going crazy. That's why Iran wants nukes. They want to cause anarchy. They want to destroy the world so that the Savior can come. Guess who's coming with them? Jesus. That's what they believe. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's just the helper that's going to come along, and he, he is a nice guy. Well, there's lots of religions that believe Jesus is a nice guy, but he would have to be a lunatic because he told us he was the Son of God. So either we believe that or, you know, we believe religion. We read as what Jesus said about wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilence and all of that. In Luke 21, 28, we read what Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. When these things begin to happen, And I believe that we're living in the beginning of all these things taking place right before us. So now we can lift up our head because we're going to be redeemed soon. He tells us when we begin, and that means when we begin to hear the mockers that are mocking that Jesus is not going to return. When we begin to hear of the wars and the rumors of wars, when we begin to see earthquakes happening in many places, and and these earthquakes that are taking place are more than just earthquakes. This includes all events that are outside of our control, like tornadoes, uh, acts of God, they call them. It's not an act of God. It's an act of the enemy. And God is allowing it to take place, but he's not causing these things to take place. When we begin to see pestilence infecting our world, it's everywhere now. It's infecting us, whether it's viruses or whether it's food supply that's being destroyed. Pestilences are destroying our world. And when we see nations preparing themselves for fulfilling the very prophecies that were given to us in the Old Testament and in the New, when we see all of these things, we should lift up our heads because there's good news. We know what to expect next. We know because we've been given the plan. We, we have the box for the puzzle. And now we know what's going to take place next. The answer, it's found in the word of God. It's not found on the, the Christian fiction TV shows that tell you, hey, wealth." And, and health are the things that we need to be striving for that's not what we need to be striving for we need to be striving for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ that's what we need to, we need to trust him as our daily bread he's the one that's going to get us through all of this so I don't want to be prosperous and die a rich man only to have it all burn it's all going to burn only to have it all go away. I don't care about those things. What I care about is what I stored in heaven. You know? And, and, and I'm not looking. I'm not keeping a ledger. I'm not going. When I get to heaven, I can't wait to find out where this went and where that went. I, You know what? I don't even know the things that God considers part of my ledger. They're part of the riches. I don't know. Because the things that, you know, I look at and I find important, God probably doesn't find very important. But it's the little things that we do in our lives. Raising children, pouring into them, and, and encouraging them to walk with the Lord. It doesn't matter whether they're perfect. It doesn't matter how that turns out. It's what we did to lead them in the right direction what we did to lead our neighbors our friends our family our bosses our co-workers is what we did you know and the first thing it begins with how we live as an example so that they can read the word of god living within our lives We shouldn't be taken by surprise when all of these things are coming together around us. The great thing about prophecy is that prophecy is not an option. It's it's not like, well, I can opt for this prophecy or opt... It's not an option. Prophecy is not an opinion either. Oh, this is what I think this prophecy means. This is what I think. No. No, prophecy... Is a promise it's a fact that has been given to us by God so that we can be prepared for what is going to happen next he's prepared us he's told us the end of the story and now we can be prepared because we trust him for the world who chooses not to believe things are bleak and they're gonna get worse but for us this should be more encouragement that God is fulfilling everything He said that He was going to fulfill. Amen. Amen.